Blog Talk Radio. Loretta McNary here. You're listening to Loretta McNary Live. I'm so excited. Yes, I'm always excited, but I'm super excited today because we have some, I mean, this guy is so phenomenal. And very oftentimes, I already know my guests a lot or I don't know them at all. So he's one of those people I have actually admired his work and he is so amazing. So the fact that we have him today during such an amazing and busy time, because he has this new book out that I've been talking about a lot on social media, um, I-Factor. So we have Pastor Van Moody on the line. And I don't spend a lot of time talking about him because I want you guys to hear him live and in color. So everybody, welcome Pastor Van Moody to Loretta McNary Live. Hi there. Awesome. Hey, Loretta. It's great to be with you today. You too, and I know you're going to probably hear people texting me, and I'm like, okay, the number's in your inbox. Please stop with all of that. I can't get them to stop just to go online. Anyway, so I want to dive right in. Um, but first I want to give some background for the people who need all of that good statistical stuff to kind of validate you. But <laughs> you can tell them as much as you want, and they can always Google you. I tell people, Google them. Google is so awesome. <laughs> and we only have 30 minutes, so we can't talk about when you were like seven. So, But it is so fabulous when you tell your story of growing up, though. Yeah, no, I'm, I mean, I'm excited to uh, share the story as much as I can. But, you know, grew up in Atlanta and, um, you know, just uh, been a part of watching God work in an amazing way, uh, particularly as it relates to the I Factor because, you know, the ability to write the I Factor was not just for others. It was also for me to share the story of the three keys that helped me through some of the most difficult challenges in my life. And one of the ones was growing up without my father. My parents divorced when I was six months old, and I grew up an angry kid. And uh, like many uh, boys in America growing up without their father, there were a number of challenges that came with that. Um, but praise be to God, I was able to grow through that and not just go through it. I was able to come to become better and not just bitter. And a lot of the, the mm. why behind that comes through in the I factor. So excited for people to read it. I'm so excited about how the book is already impacting your life. So let's talk about it. Yeah. <laughs> okay. So for those who need more of that, I mean, there's so much information on Van Moody. He is definitely, definitely phenomenal. So we're going to go into this book. He was asking me, um, prior to coming on air, what was my favorite part? Because I told him I'd already, uh, he'd already been all on my toes and my cute little pumps, and now my feet just won't fit them anymore. And that is so little. Ooh, thank you, Holy Spirit. That was good. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> so I am definitely changed, and I'm only halfway through. I'm only halfway through. And one of my favorite parts, Van, and you can tell me your motivation or your inspiration for talking about this, and let me see, because I have this whole page, um, page number eight. That was a huge page for me because I got a lot of highlights and a lot of underlines on it. <laughs> but one of the things is, if the answer is that deep inside, he still felt lacking, not good enough in some way. None of the claim of fame or fortune was enough to empower him to see himself as many others saw him. I struggle with that, and I don't want this to be like a, a – 
a, a mental session for Loretta McNair and you're being my psychologist, but I know a lot of people struggle with that too. They have all the success. They have accomplished so many things, but yet when they get home, they're still saying it's not enough or they just whiz past that really fast. What causes that? Well, what causes it is that we are trained by the world and so many others that in order to get to success, it starts from the outside um, and then often we never do the inside work. So, you know, I opened the book talking about Michael Jackson and a host of other celebrities that have made the same mistake that regular people make every single day. And that is that we pursue the trappings of success. We want to have money. We want to have fame. We want to have fortune. We want to live in the right neighborhood, drive uh, a certain kind of car. And we think that that means fulfillment. And the truth of the matter is it doesn't. And particularly when you spend your life going after those things externally and you never do the work internally to be your best self, to be healthy and whole, then you end up being empty. And not only do you end up being empty, another big challenge is a lot of times you end up self-sabotaging because so many individuals, when they encounter external pressure that's greater than their internal reserves, then they end up falling Ooh. apart or breaking down in some way. This is why the I Factor is a must-read and a right-now book uh, for the entire world. Oh my goodness! You said when you're, it's like you're spending more externally than you have internally. So how do you build up that internal? Because I know that's that's what the I Factor is all about. You have to do this work, though. And a lot of times, most of the people I know, we're we're so busy that we don't want to do that work. We're good people, really good. You're givers. You make sacrifices for other people. But for some reason, we don't return the favor to ourselves. So how do – and I know a lot of this is covered in the book, and I'm telling you I have so many questions. But I, another thing I really like, when you talk about relationships, they either lift you up or they weigh you down. They either give to you or they take away. And there's no other – I mean, that's just no gray areas for that with you. That's what you say. So it is true. What made that such a force in this book for you? Well, you know, um, that quote that you just read uh, comes from – I referenced it in the beginning of The I Factor, but it really comes from my last best-selling book called The People Factor. When I deal with the importance of all of the relationships that we engage in, and that's the central premise of The People Factor – that there's no such thing as a neutral relationship. Either the relationship Mm -hmm. helps you or it hinders you. But while I'm grateful for the fact that that book was a bestseller and there were a number of individuals impacted by that book and we still get the testimonies about it, I also recognize the parallel truth, and this is where the I factor came from. While it is true um, that the relationships around us are important and while all of the principles that I deal with in the people factor are just as important as ever, in a realer way, The relationship that you have with yourself, though, can be either your greatest asset or your biggest roadblock. And so a lot of people are quick to want to delve into external relationships, you know, uh, the relationship with my spouse or with my coworkers or with my homeboys and girlfriends. Um, But a lot of times the common denominator in every one of those relationships, especially the troubled ones, is us. I like to say that everywhere we go, there there we are. That's why the I factor is so important because if you're willing to do the work, and, and it's interesting that you say that. You're right. A lot of times we're so busy pouring 
out into the lives of others, and we're so busy with our to-do list that we never slow down to do the work to really focus on us. And what I found, Loretta, is that a lot of people are starving bakers. And what I mean by that is um, I like to eat, and uh, I know in and around Memphis and so many other cities like Birmingham and New York, they're great, great foodie cities. But when I go Mm -hmm. into a restaurant, I I like to look at the sous chef. And um, it gives me comfort if the sous chef is on the plus size because what that says to me is that the sous chef has been eating their own cooking. But when I go into a restaurant, yeah, when I go into a restaurant and I see an anemic-looking sous chef, it tells me that the sous chef has been so busy cooking for others that they haven't fed themselves. And that's, that's what a starving baker is, and that's the way that so many people live their lives. And you can only live your life that way for so long before you ultimately break down. And so the reason that people have to do the work of getting healthy internally is because you're only as good as you are. And so you can't contribute cogently and successfully to anybody else if you're not healthy first. That's why the I factor is absolutely necessary. And let me say this, there are two great tasks in life. And this is one of the things that I want people to walk away from this um, book with, with this understanding. And it's one of the fa- my favorite areas of the book when I, when I talk about this. There are two great tasks in life. The first task is to find yourself. That's what the I factor is about. But the second task is to lose yourself. That means that you give mm. yourself in service to others. But often we try to lose ourselves without first having found ourselves. And that's mm. a recipe for a disaster. Ooh, ouch. Okay, wow. See, that was a lot. Now it's bringing up even more. Okay, let me go back to the first because you were saying, uh, you know, we were talking about the quote, people either hinder us or help us. Then I have this question. But we spend so much time in relationships giving or making sure everybody else is okay. We don't always recognize which which of those two factors they are. So how do you slow down long enough to under to see? Because you know how we are. We can put bandages on everything and pretend everything is okay, but that's you're still walking around like a sous chef. You just you're not even eating and you're not even serving because you're so busy bandaging everything else, trying to pretend that it's okay. And I think that's what the biggest thing was when I started reading your book. It was about pretending who you are instead of being who you were called to be and getting in contact with that. So I wanted to get your feedback on that pretending phase and not even knowing if these people are givers or takers in your life because you're bandaging everything just to get by. Well, yeah, every relationship that you're in, number one, should add value to to yourself. I mean, that's and, – and, and you should seek to add value to the person you're in relationship with. There is a mutual benefit symbiotic synergy to every healthy relationship, even if you go all the way back to the first relationship – Uh, that God created, which was Adam and Eve. Eve is described, we always call her a helpmeet. That's, you know, the way that a lot of people know Eve. But that term in the Hebrew is enzer kenigdo, which literally means that she was designed to add value to Adam. And so, you know, she was designed to come alongside of him and to help him in his purpose, and he was designed to help her in hers. And so that's where I get the notion of mutual benefit and adding value. 
the healthy relationships that you're a part of should make deposits in your life, not constant withdrawals. And likewise, you ought to do that to them. But if you never take the time to ask that question, if you never take the time to assess the relationship, not by virtue of what you need to fix, but to ask the cogent question of, is this relationship helping me and adding value to my life? Is it making more deposits than withdrawals? And if you don't ask that question and pay attention to the answer that is staring you in the face, one of the big principles that I spend a lot of time talking about is that when people show you who they are, pay attention. Because a lot of times we see, but we don't pay attention. That's how we get into this place of always feeling like we've got to fix the relationships. But once again, it's, it's a slippery slope. Because if you spend so much time fixing others, you'll never have time to pay attention to yourself and make sure that you're healthy, which is where the I factor comes in. And so you first, in order to get away from this notion of pretending, you got to give yourself permission to focus on you, not in a self-absorbed, selfish way, not so that you can live a self-centered life, but so that you can be healthy. Because what ends up happening, Loretta, for people that constantly pretend after a while the chinks in their armor and their truth self becomes evident to everybody else often but them. And then we lose our witness. We lose our ability to really be impactful and to live the successful life that God called for us to live because everybody knows that we're pretending. And so we've got to stop that epidemic, and the way we do it is through the I factor. Wow. See, some kind of way i got to get you back on. Okay, let me – okay, now on page 14 – um, <laughs> one of the things it's, <laughs> I told you, I've been through this book. <laughs> it talks about, and, and I want us to really spend this time talking about the individual and how you got to do the work, but first you got to identify where you're sabotaging yourself. And I have used that word often, um, in my own life. So it says, but generally speaking, success rises and falls on each individual who pursues it. So, and then you said, we often, we are often the greatest hindrance to our success and the greatest barrier to everything God wants to do in and through our lives. How are we, is that something we know we're doing? Do pe- are people voluntarily, well, I guess if you don't do the work, you are, because there's got to be a better way. But how do you stop? How do you just stop sabotaging yourself if you agree with that? And I agree with that. I know I have done that. Well, I think that it starts with the recognition that is happening. And so you, you mm-hmm. did ask the question, you know, do people know that they're doing it? And sometimes they don't. You know, sometimes our lives are defined by patterns of behavior that we either handed down to us. Uh, sometimes we live our life based on thought patterns that are not our own. You know, and we just think a certain way because it's the environment we grew up in or it's what somebody told us or a lot of varied reasons. And so the first thing that people have got to do is to be open to exploring the idea that maybe it is not everybody else. Maybe there is some role that I've played in some of the missteps in my life. And then once you are open to that idea, that's really the key that unlocks the door for you to do the work internally, which is why I opened the book with some very pointed questions about who are you? Because what's interesting is we go to school, we get great degrees, we seek uh, the networks and the connections that we need, but often we never ask the hard questions of ourselves. We ask them of everybody else, 
but we often don't ask them of ourselves. Uh, it's interesting. My wife uh, got me into this um, uh, sitcom that's now on HBO, and uh, it's about uh, uh, four female friends and their journey and one person in particular. And it's interesting that I saw an episode recently where one individual had recurring problems that all of her girlfriends saw, but she never saw it herself until they all confronted her about the same issue. A lot of us live life that way. There are issues that are obvious to others, but they're not obvious to us. And it starts with, number one, being open to the thought that, you know what, we may not be perfect. And then once you start there, you can begin the healing process from there. And what I love about the I-Factor is I give people all of the tools that they need so that they can have this journey um, and it be a successful one. Mm, so there was uh, about your, who, what you do and who you are are two totally different people. Absolutely. And we find absolutely. so much satisfaction in what we do, you know, because that way we don't have to – and you talk about the onion, peeling back all those layers and all that stuff. And I think that is so huge because, well, you know, you talk about when we introduce ourselves and we're networking is what do we do? That's the first thing people yep. ask you, and that supposedly defines who you are, but that's not true, right? No, it's not true. Your who is not your do. And so now you're talking about identity. And you know that I really help people to understand in the book that a healthy eye factor revolves around those three key ingredients, identity, significance, and perspective. But I think out of the three, identity is probably the most important one because it is unfortunate that we often define our identity by what we do instead of who we are. And the problem with that is that when your do changes, if you think that your who is your do and you lose your do, you end up losing yourself. And so peeling that onion often is stripping away who you're not so that you can get to the core of who you are. And you're not what you do. Your purpose and your identity is much bigger than that. As a matter of fact, it's your who that infuses your do. And when you get that, your whole perspective of life changes and the way you handle adversity changes. And you say that who and what you do so good. You must have said it a million times, but I got it. But when I was reading the book, it took me several times. I'm like, that is such a cute, cute little phrase. And I guess at that point I was still dodging the whole process of going internal to do this work because I, I was getting, I can easily take exits on my journey. I, always, <laughs> I just love taking exits because for some reason I'm just fascinated by exits and I just need to keep going and keep traveling. So that was another part that took me some time to read. I spent a lot of time on that part because I was trying to decide, am I outside of what, what do I do? And I did come up with that who I am helps me to do what I do because that's who I am internally. I love in- inspiring people. I love, you know, helping people, and it just comes out to be in the form of TV and radio, which I did not pursue. So, but that's enough of that. Well, I do have some callers, and I, I do want to go to them, but I'm so afraid we're going to – it'll be another exit, and there are some uh, more questions I wanted to ask you. So all the callers that are there, uh, give me a few more minutes, and then I'm going to try to take a couple of those. But I wanted to kind of keep talking about this book because I, I want you all to get this book. And it's not a quick read. You are not going to read this book overnight unless you are type A personality <laughs> and you try, and I am, and I did, but you can't. So 
just take it from me. Just spend some time and do this work because I'm telling you, he he's in your neighborhood. He's driving your car. He is stepping all over you in this book, and we need that because even good friends well, won't do that for us. Yeah, you're right. You know, Loretta, one of the biggest compliments I received from um, the people factor is that people said, you know what? Just like the I factor, you know, this is not a book that you can read one time. It's more of a manual. And so mm-hmm. it's quite confirming to hear you say that. You're right. It's it's not a quick read, but it's a rewarding read. And I think that it's a manual Definitely to live life on another read. level. Yep, absolutely. And one thing I think the the this book coming out at this time of the year, because a lot of people, they tend to give up on like the, this year and focus on the next year. And that's because they don't have the tools or processes or a manual to help them discover that you still got to live in this year. Don't, don't wish these last six weeks away thinking all of a sudden January 1 is going to hit and you're going to be better. You know, we claim right. better every year. We have these cute little things for the new year, but we haven't done the work so that that year will be better than the previous year. So I'd love for you to speak on that because I see that happening a lot. They're taking the same old stuff out of the old year into the new year thinking it's going to be a better year. Oh, absolutely. You know, what's interesting is um, one of the quotes that I deal with in the book is that the thinking that got us in the trouble is not the same thinking that can get us out of the trouble, which means that we've got to change our approach. Uh, We absolutely do. Uh, Your listeners have probably heard the age-old definition of insanity, which is to do the same thing you've always done, but to expect different results. And so Mm -hmm. the timing of the release of this book, you're right, is very purposeful because I think that will challenge the reader to reflect on this year, give them the tools then to go into the new year with a different set of resources, a different set of lenses to look at life, and then all of the practical steps they need to make uh, the rest of their life, the best of their life, starting, you know, as soon as they pick that book up. So I'm, I'm super excited about it. Yeah, because when you said that, that reminded me because I was on Facebook posting and reminding people about the show, and I see, and I see this a lot on Facebook, and I think it's definitely an I factor negative when people say, "Well, I'm going to get off Facebook," and you make this big announcement about getting off Facebook, and I'm thinking that's your cry out for attention because if you're going to get off, you just get off. So how Absolutely. do we help? Those kind of people that are crying out for help, but they think they're not. They're just saying, you know, this is just too depressing, I, I can't do this. To me, it's a call for help. It's a call for attention. And I wish I could afford to give them all a copy of this book because I'm telling you, it really does help you go internal to do the work so that you can be the better person to have a better year. Sure. So how do well, you, one how of do the you things, help people like that? You know, um, you're right. Number one, if you could, I mean, the iFactor will make an amazing Christmas gift, a birthday gift. Uh, if that's in your budget to do it. But then the other thing is there's nothing more powerful than your own story. And so what you could easily do is to begin to share your story. And I'm not just talking about you, Loretta, but even your listeners. When we begin to share our story of change and transformation, when we share our story of how our life has benefited from doing the work of the I factor, whether or not people look like it, your story is encouraging them to do the same thing. A lot, of, a lot of times people won't do the work because they just haven't been encouraged to. And encouraged is different than being talked down on. 
you know, or being uh, castigated and fussed at. Nobody likes that. But if I'm sharing my story of change in an encouraging way, it's going to strike some chords within you. And, you know, that person may say, you know what, let me check that book out. Or where did you get that book? Uh, And life has a way of knocking us down enough uh, until Mm -hmm. we say, you know what, I, I need to address this. And so it's those subtle things of sharing your stories of victory, sharing your stories of growth that will inspire others. But for some reason, people think that it can't happen to them. They just think they're the they're the one person that the Bible does not include, or they're the one person living your best life or your dream life or things happening good to you. They're that one exception that God forgot about. So it, it goes so much deeper than that. It's a big bandage that they put on themselves, thinking they are that exception that everybody else gets to have a good life, but they don't. Is it because yeah, and people want, like you or me or the Oprahs of TDs, we're not sharing enough of our trials, and they just comparing their bad days with all our good days that we do share? Is that like key to that, or I can't figure it out? Well, I think I think it's a little bit of that. I think you know what's interesting is that people uh, see the end of the movie and and appreciate the end, but have no concept of what went into making the movie. And that's how people oftentimes sit on the sidelines and view others. You know, people, for an example, may say, okay, well, Van Moody's got it all together because he was able to write books. But what they have no concept of is everything that went into. Uh, And so in many ways, we're called to be wounded healers. Often tell people uh, that I'm familiar with the Bible story when Jesus appears a second time to Thomas and shows Thomas his wounds. Because Thomas said to the other disciples, I'm not going to believe that Jesus is alive until I see him and and put my hand in the wounds. And Jesus makes a special trip for Thomas. And I think that's a picture of how we're called to live our lives. You're not necessarily called to just air all of your dirty laundry, but you're also not called to pretend, you know, that life for you is a crystal stair. I'm able to help others by sharing my struggles and my triumphs because it does plant the seed in them that if I was able to overcome, then so can they. And so those are the best stories. Those are the best movies. That's why we like Rocky and a lot of the other uh, movies that are American classics, because they show the journey from nothing to something. And if we could be more intentional about sharing those stories, not just the finish line, of, hey, I made it, but there were days that I didn't know if I, if I could, which is why this I-Factor message is so important to me and also very near and dear to my heart. Because the three keys Mm -hmm. that I talk about to a healthy eye factor, identity, significance, and perspective, were the three greatest keys that allowed me to overcome all of my hurdles uh, and even the ongoing ones. It all comes back to those three things. So it's absolutely a book that that people need to get, and it's the work that they've got to do, particularly if we want to live our best life. And I believe that a lot of people do. I think most people do, but some people are just so fearful of it. What will it look like? How will I act? How will people respond to me? But you got to get a, get the book and do the work. And whether you keep putting it off, you got to do the work to go to your next level. You have to do some internal work. And I found that out just in my personal life and reading the stories of successful people and people like you who are now where we seem like an overnight success, you've been doing this work a long time. So uh, we've already at that 28-minute mark. Can I have more time? Because I want one thing that I was really fascinated by 
and I ask a question, I just keep moving on. You like that, Van? You like that? Um, <laughs> when you talked about Leah's perspective, I had never, ever heard it anyone talk about how Leah must have felt. We all talked about poor, you know, how Jacob, oh, his father-in-law did him so bad to switch the girls up like that. Or we talk about, you know, everybody but her and how you did that so lovingly and so beautiful. I, Oh, wow. How did you do that? Because nobody talks about it from her perspective. Well, um, a couple things before I get into that. Um, I am going to have to hop off here in a second. And so let's, I'd love for us to set up some more time for us to talk uh, because I want oh, to dig even enough, more man. into this. Yeah. And if your listeners want to, then uh, I'd love to do it. Um, actually, as soon as I hop off with you, I'm getting ready to go into a lecture hall at Sanford University and lecture some students. But yeah, Leah, that's probably one of my favorite chapters in the book. Um, it is where many people live. You know, it's a beautiful story when you look at it through the eyes of Jacob and Rachel. You know, it's fairy tale like. Mm-hmm. But most of mm-hmm. us don't live the fairy tale. Most of us, we don't have access to the fairy tale. We are living life as Leah. And and that's why I think the issue of significance plays out the way that it does for so many people, which is the wrong way. You know, Leah is a picture of of the struggle that many of us go on to find significance and we look for love and significance in all the wrong places. But where God wants us to be is where Leah ultimately arrives after she has that fourth child. And she says, you know what, this time I'm going to praise the Lord and recognize that my significance is in him and not in anything else. And that's what I hope to help people get to themselves because that's where your real significance lies. And that's a good stopping place because we talked about identity, how important that is that we know who we are. And then we were getting into significance. We are, you're all significant. Everybody that's listening live, everybody who will listen later, you are significant. You are here for a reason. And then when you put all that into perspective, your whole entire being changes. And when your being changes, your world changes. So, Van, Pastor Van Moody, I'm going to get to Birmingham to come visit your church. I've been watching everything you've done on YouTube, and I'm just like awesome, awesome, awesome stuff. You are an awesome, incredible man. God has truly smiled on you. So I want to thank you for taking the time to be our guest to talk about your new book that just came out November 22nd. It is available wherever books are sold. <laughs> so it is easy yes. to find, and it's called iFactor. And you can Google him. He's on Facebook. He's on Instagram. He's on YouTube. He's everywhere. So don't give me excuses. I want to get you ready to have that better 2017 year, but you have to be better for that to happen. So, um, Pastor Van Moody, thank you so much for being our guest. Thank you, Loretta. It's been a joy to be with you. I look forward to uh, us talking soon. Take care. I'm going to call your PR and schedule you again if you come back, as you said you would. But thank you, and lots of success on your talk at Stanford. Thank you. Thank Thank you. you. As always, everybody, I want to tell you, please think positive, dream big dreams, help someone along the way, and we'll see you very soon on the radio and on TV. Bye-bye, everybody.